and welcome to Gilmore Ballsy, a podcast where I show my husband Gilmore Girls, he shows me Dragon Ball, and we try to find some sort of common ground. I'm Paige. I'm Grant. And today we watched season three, episode one of Gilmore Girls, and episode 54 of Dragon Ball Z Kai. Yep, so welcome to season three. Woohoo! So Grant, what happened on this week's Gilmore Girls? Oh, a lot happened on this week's Gilmore Girls. Uh, so the episode opens with Lorelai having a weird domestic sexy dream about Luke. Like, it's not a sex dream. No, There's nothing sexual Nothing happens. sexual occurs, but it's definitely a sexy dream. Like, Lorelai wakes up, and for starters, she's, she's in a very sexy nightgown thing, and it's obviously intentional, because when she's recounting this dream back to Rory later, she mentions it, and it's just, it's much more... Uh, how long do you want to spend talking about Lorelai's nightgown? I mean, I could spend a lot of time talking about Lorelai's nightgown, but, uh, you know, she she's dressed in... You're, you're, you're right, we'll move on. It's not relevant. Uh, she She's, like, wearing a sexy nightgown, and she wakes up to, like, 30 alarm clocks in her bed, and then she goes down to the kitchen, and, you know, there's sort of, like, a long cut, and it's not so obvious that we're supposed to realize it's a dream right away. And she's talking to somebody in the kitchen, and then... <gasps> It's, it's Luke. Luke. It's not Rory. And Luke's made her breakfast. And he tried to switch her coffee out for decaf, but you can't fool her. And then they kiss. And, you know, for a minute they, they get you going of like, oh, is this like a weird time skip thing? And now suddenly Lorelai and Luke are together? Like, are, are we doing this? But then it pretty quickly becomes obvious that they are either going full force into it or this is a ruse when then Luke starts talking to Lorelai's belly and insinuating that she's having twins, you know? So then it becomes pretty quickly obvious that this is, in fact, a dream. A dream. But Lorelai's having weird, domestic... Luke dreams. Vaguely sexy dreams about Luke. The way I would describe them is domestic fantasy, where it's not sexual, but it is, like, idealized relationship yeah, status. Yeah, it's, it's idealized, yeah. And in that ideal situation, she happens to look stunning as soon as she gets out of bed. Right. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, we'll settle on that. Anyway, not that important. So Rory is still in Washington, D.C. with Paris. And it's getting to the end of her, like, six week or whatever it was, internship, where they've been able to do debates and talk to senators and congressmen and all of that good stuff. And Paris has apparently made a nuisance of herself in Congress. Uh, we get a scene of her absolutely harassing, uh, was it was it Barbara Boxer? Yeah, it was Boxer. Yeah, yeah, harassing Senator Boxer until she passes Paris off to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I think it was somebody from... from Oze. Yeah, it was Oze. It's just a, a, lot of, a lot of names I haven't heard in a long time got tossed around this episode. Later, she names drops Trent Lott. Yeah. I, I forget, was this, I forget if this was before or after... Trent Lott had his little scandal. It was 2002. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, but I forget exactly what the details were, but Trent Lott got in trouble for doing something racist. I was I was a little too young to totally understand the concept when it first happened, but I just remember Trent Lott being the butt of a lot of jokes about racism. Yeah, that was about the same time. It was before, like it was a couple of months before. Paris gets asked out on a date by one of their fellow internship people. Yeah. This guy, Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Who's, who's, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, and apparently admires, like, like he, he's the only person who can match Paris on the debate field. And he likes Paris for the right reasons. Yeah, it seems like he likes Paris for the right reasons, and he asks her out on a date. And she doesn't even realize it's a date at first, so Rory has to help Paris get ready for a date. Which could have been an entire episode into itself, but 
like all great Paris plots before it. It takes up, you know, about half of Rory's plot and then drops out of nowhere with no resolution. Uh, but we do get Oh, a... no, he, he has a Zagat. That was resolution. I suppose that's true. Uh, he, but we do get a really good scene of Rory helping Paris get ready for her date and kind of a, a more concrete reiteration, just sort of like for the people who haven't gotten it, of the things that I've been talking about with Paris leading up to this point of like whenever anybody's been interested in her or shown an interest in her, it's usually been a trick of some kind and people are going to realize that she's not dating material and she's just not good at this and just a lot of her self-esteem issues that have been more understated, I think is giving it a little too much credit, but but not quite text, are made text just to make sure, you know, a little louder for the people in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so she's worried about, oh, what if we end up having to go to some random restaurant because he didn't find his got, but then he he goes to pick her up and she answers the door and he looks great and he says that she looks great and she does look great. And, you know, he says, oh, I, I made a reservation at this place that I found in the Zagat. And this, she just, you just see, oh, oh, he got the Zagat. Her heart flutters. And that's the last we see Paris in the episode. So Rory comes home and Lorelai got her out of dinner with the grandparents for the week so she can spend time with Dean. And before Dean gets back from wherever Dean's been, he was somewhere. Probably Chicago. Yeah, it seems like he goes to Chicago a lot. He was probably in Chicago with his family. They go to this festival that Taylor has decided to put up. At some point, Taylor broke a foot. I think we just get the comedy scene of Taylor chasing somebody in an electric wheelchair. Uh, But he's put up the crazy summer festival or end of summer festival. And it's the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Yes. Uh, and it's it's just your usual street festival. There's food and music and everything. And so they're walking around and enjoying it. And then Rory sees Jess. She'd been getting a ton of letters from Dean while she was in D.C. But we saw her writing a letter to Jess. But then we never see her deliver the letter to Jess. Is that ever going to... I, I can ask about that later. Anyway. Um, but I honestly don't remember. She's obviously been thinking about Jess. And then she sees Jess, and he is hardcore making out with some girl. We don't ever even see her face. She's some girl, and they're her making... Her face is too all up in Jess's all up, Yeah, no, but they're, they're making out just up against a tree, broad daylight, families with children walking by. He's doing that thing where, you slide, where he slides his hands into her back pocket, so it's like, oh, no, I'm just putting my hands in her pocket, but, you know, he's reaching for some butt. It's just it's 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 uh it's 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 real disgusting. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going at it like animals in the street, and Rory's obviously upset about this because last time she saw Jess, she kissed him, and she thought that he came back to town to be with her, and now he's just making out with some girl, and Lorelai senses that she is upset, and so Rory tells her about what happened, where they kissed. And Lorelai doesn't handle the situation like a proper adult. Again. She she gets mad at Rory and starts telling her that she needs to make up her mind and, you know, quit going back and forth on this, which, to be fair, Rory kind of has to make up her mind. Not necessarily for her own mental health, although there is that, but for my sake, because good lord, why is this plot still going on? And uh, starts, like, really sticking up for Dean about how he's so patient. He's sweet and kind and patient, which again i feel like i stick up for dean more than most people do but should but he's not patient and he's not always kind 
and he's not always sweet. He tries his best, but his best isn't that great. And we we shouldn't we shouldn't be painting him as a saint, which Lorelai still is. And so Rory and Lorelai get into a big screaming match in the middle of this festival, but it gets interrupted by Dean showing up, who somehow didn't hear any of this. And it's like, hey, Rory, let's hang out and be boyfriend and girlfriend. And Rory's like, okay. And then they do. We don't really, we don't see them interacting, really. No. Like, he says he misses her, and she says she missed him, and they kiss and they hug. And then when we see Rory again at the end of the episode, he's gone. And, and she, she says they've worked it out. Yeah, she just tells Lorelai, everything's great. I don't know what I was thinking. We hung out. It was good. I'm fully committed to Dean. We'll see how long that lasts. And that's where we leave Rory. So on the Lorelai side, she's still not talking to Christopher. She's not answering his calls. He's been calling her repeatedly and she's just ignoring his messages. She does not want to talk to Christopher. And Rory's not talking to Christopher either because they're both really hurt by how this turned out. When you think about it, he literally went from telling Rory, hey, you can trust me. You can trust me. And got a phone call and then immediately left. Like Rory has every right to be hurt too. But anyway... She's still thrown for a loop by that, and she is dreading telling Emily and Richard, because they've been off in Martha's Vineyard all summer, and so she's been able to avoid telling them for a while, but now it's Friday dinner. She made an excuse for Rory, but she's still got to go and tell them. So she shows up, and she tries to explain to Emily and Richard, hey, this is what happened. And at first she's like, look, it just didn't work out. And Emily won't have any of it. She's saying, no, this is ridiculous. You need to give me a real adult answer because you're acting like a child. And it's just ridiculous that you can't make this work. And I want to know what possible good reason you can have not to make your family a family again. She tells them, his girlfriend is pregnant. He's going to do the right thing by them and be there for the kid. And Emily and Richard have split opinions on this. Emily thinks it's absolutely ridiculous. Christopher needs to come back to his family that he hasn't known this woman at all. And it's just, this is just a ridiculous situation. And Richard is saying, no, he's trying to do the right thing by Sherry. And so at first you're like, oh good, Richard's being the voice of reason. No. And then that very quickly goes off a cliff because it basically turns into him, like, low-key attacking Lorelai as if she's not in the room. Like, oh, well, he wanted to try to do the right thing by Lorelai, but she refused him. And so Lorelai made her choice, and Richard can't, or that Christopher can't change that, and, you know, now he's doing the right thing here, and I think it's, you know, I applaud it, and, you know, we both, we both knew that this was never going to work out with Lorelai, and she's just... She's just going to change her mind like she does, because that's just how she is. And, like, it's it's all just barely not saying I blame my daughter for what happened to her when she got pregnant at 16. Oh, he's saying it. He's basically... Oh, he's basically saying it. It is just short of literally saying it. He's, he's implying the fuck out of it. And Lorelai's just like, okay. And she just gets up and she walks out of the house. And Laura, or Emily and Richard don't even realize that she's gone. Because they're busy arguing with each other about how they feel about this. So Lorelai's left holding the bag of feeling like she's just torn the family apart by by not being able to handle this situation, I guess. Or even just that she came to this and she's already hurting. And people who she should, like, 
yes, I know it's her parents, but you know, you should be able to go to your parents and they don't make it worse. No, they don't. And and yet they do. Yeah, and a so lot. when she's already hurting, she gets attacked for doing what she needed to do. Yeah. And well, frankly, for something that was completely out of her control. She can't make Christopher do anything. No. So she gets up and just leaves, goes back to town, and she walks into Luke's. And now remember, Luke and Lorelai are still fighting from the car accident. And she says, look, I, I don't I don't want to try to make up with you right now. I just want a cup of coffee. And she kind of breaks down at the counter and starts talking about how she, you know, nothing ever works out for her and she's never going to have a family, you know, or never going to have the like domestic package because they're never going to have the whole package of uh, being in a, a loving relationship with my daughter and everything because I in a loving it. romantic relationship with someone somebody with and the daughter having my being daughter. there. Yes. Yep. You know, and say, so she's saying like, you know, Oh, cause I screwed things up with Max, which whatever bullshit. And then the universe conspired to screw things up with Christopher and it's just never going to happen. And Luke finally like opens up to her and says like it's gonna happen for you because you're a good person and you know you want it bad enough you're gonna make it happen that's who you are and i don't know who it's gonna be with but it'll be with somebody and they'll be really lucky to have you and they you know they they make friends again things are finally okay with lorelei and luke she goes back home to rory and it's just the episode ends with them sitting on the couch, just hanging out, talking, being the Gilmore girls. Having made up. Yeah, yeah, they, they make up too, you know. She apologizes, Roy apologizes, it's all good. And, you know, so they just sit there being Gilmore girls. And we get this really nice, like, slow pan out over, like, the creeper shot through the bushes of their window. I was really waiting for it to slowly pan all the way out and have it be, like, just smoking a cigarette or something. But it wasn't. This is like, oh, okay, that's just where the episode ends. So yay, things are okay now. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a bit long. Uh, what happened this week on Dragon Ball Z Kai? So this week on Dragon Ball Z Kai, a lot also happened. Uh, if you'll remember, the planet Namek was destroyed, and Goku we haven't seen since. It starts with King Kai going, Goku has met his end. I'm so sorry. King Kai just, like, makes these pronouncements, and it's not really, like, clear how good his authority is. Apparently not. Multiple times he's been like, no, Goku's dead. And then Goku's fine. Yeah, no. Uh, but they decided the best person to break this news would be Bulma because she's known for her tact and... Uh, Impulse control? Selflessness? I don't know. Like, of all the people, like... <sighs> tell Piccolo. Tell Piccolo. Piccolo. Piccolo is the person who can deliver that news. Well, especially because King Kai actually knows Piccolo. Anyway, so... King Kai telephones this through Yamcha because apparently Bulma talking to her ex-boyfriend who cheated on her and then died is the best way to like give this emotionally sensitive information. I mean, better than a random space bug she's never met. I guess so. Um, and when he says Goku's dead, she's like, that's fine. And he's like, what? That's fine because Purunga, the Dragon Balls, will get Goku back and it'll be swell. And she's just laughing and just, like, telling everybody, like, Goku's dead, but it's fine, guys! Um, and King Kai informs her that it's it's not fine, guys. That there is a new rule that is, I don't know if it's unique to Purunga or just hasn't come up before. I'm gonna have a question about that. We can talk that. about it in questions. Uh, but that you will be resurrected where you died. And, uh, Krillin and... 
Goku died on Namek, and Namek is not a place where you can stand, let alone breathe. Yeah, so um, they get revived and then just immediately die again in the vacuum of space. Yeah, so they decide that the best thing to do, Vegeta says, hey, what about if we teleported their souls over here with the first wish, and then brought them back with the second wish? And everyone thinks Vegeta's being a nice guy, but really it's just Vegeta wanting to fight Goku again, or at least that's what he tells himself. Uh, not, not, not like I care about you guys anyway. Yeah. Um, but they decide that what they're going to do is they're going to get the Dragon Balls, they're going to wish their souls back, and then they are going to wish them back to life. So they're in the process of doing that. You know, they're able to teleport Krillin back and revive him, but when they try to teleport Goku back, his soul is still with his body, and he doesn't want to come back. Yeah, because after they can't revive him because he's still alive... They try they say, to teleport him. It's like, oh, bring him here. Maybe he's, like, stranded in space or something. Nope. And Perunga's like, nope, Goku doesn't want to. Which, it goes back to way back when we were talking about Dragon Ball rules. Consent. That, yeah, that's how it works. Is if, if the person is more powerful than the creator of the Dragon Balls, then you need their consent to act upon them. Yep. And so they, they decide to bring Yamcha back instead. Then... A year later, in Namekian time, which is 130 days Earth time, thankfully it's not like a thousand years, uh, they also bring back Tien and Chiaosu, and then create a new planet for the Namekians, or, or teleport the Namekians. The wish isn't clear, we don't ever hear it in English, just Namekian. Yeah, but it's something, either teleporting, either creating a new planet for them. Or finding them a Yeah, planet. just teleporting them to the nearest habitable planet that they could live on. So, all of the Namekians are now on their own new homeworld, except Piccolo. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah, um, no, Piccolo, Piccolo's still around, because his homeworld is Earth. Yep. So what did you think of this episode of Gilmore Girls, Grant? It was it was a competent episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I'd say that. It was a lot of screaming. Yeah? Because there was also a whole subplot of, like, Suki and Jackson redecorating their house. And or Jackson, Suki deciding to redecorate yeah. the house that Jackson doesn't want to redecorate. Yeah, Jackson doesn't want to redecorate, and Suki decides, oh, Jackson must want to redecorate because... Otherwise, years from now, he'll not like the house because it's my house and not his and it's not manly enough. And so then he's going to secretly resent me. We're just like, oh, suddenly Suki is like deeply insecure. Where sure. Somehow this came out of nowhere. Uh, and then we had Emily and Richard screaming at each other and Lorelai and Rory screaming at each other. Yeah, it was a scream heavy episode. It was a very scream heavy episode. Um, I don't know. It, it did a good job of putting our characters kind of back in the right order. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was this was a back to basics episode. Uh, we're, we're back in a place now where Lorelai and Luke are friends, Rory and Dean's relationship is at least somewhat solid. I Jess mean, is currently... Yeah, Jess is not... An option? Yeah, well, whatever. Jess is just be Jess, Jess is being a shitbag. Yeah. And, like, Lorelai's relationship with her parents isn't great. So, like, we're kind of back to where we started. Yeah. Which... I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that as a show-running choice. Mm-hmm. I think that we walked out of season two being like, everything is going to be different now. No. And then we get back and like, everything's going to be different than how it was at that moment, but it's back to a place where we've been before. Yeah. So it kind of feels like the story backslid a little bit. We'll see how that plays out moving forward. Yeah. But it, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of felt like the individual writing and the individual performances were all good. And I, I did really like the scene with Lorelai and her parents. Yeah. 
um, that was a, a standout scene, but everything around it just kind of felt like it was treading ground we've already been on before. Yeah. Treading it well, but I, I feel like we didn't get that much new information from this episode. Yeah. Um, Except that Paris now has been on a date. Yeah, no, I... That I, isn't with Tristan. Yeah, I liked the Paris plot, such as it was. Um, I would have liked a little more of Paris and maybe a little more sign of Paris and Rory's relationship and how it has grown with them being roommates for the last six weeks. I feel like that's a bonding experience. Yeah. And so I'd have liked to see them being a little more friendly. Um, but I, I really liked that scene with Paris. Just like Rory brushing Paris's hair and helping her get ready. And which I'm sure certain corners of the fandom had a fucking field day with. We're looking at you, Kiri. And getting let, letting Paris really have that spotlight for a bit was really good. Um, so I don't know. It was an all right episode of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. What did you think of Dragon Ball Z Kai? It was, I think it was the same as Gilmore Girls. It was a point A to point B episode where mm. it's like, we need these things to get to where we need them to go. Like there were even like points where the narrator, you could tell it had been cut down drastically for Kai where the narrator was like, and the Namekians learn how to golf. Now the year has gone past. And another year has gone past. It's like... That might have actually been in the original Z. I, I don't huh. think there was really anything going on in that in between. Well, actually, that might have been the Garlic Jr. saga. So actually, we might have just skipped over an entire story arc. Yeah. I forget where the Garlic Jr. saga is. But I actually, yeah, we may have skipped over an entire story arc. I'll admit, I'm kind of sorry I didn't get to see Namekians trying to adapt to life as humans. Uh, oh, but I really love just... I think we got this, all the snapshots we needed. We had the Namekian elder, the new grand golfing. elder playing golf, and then we had a bunch of Namekian children learning to gamble. Yeah, it was great. I think that's really all we needed. I would watch a web short about Namekian children learning how to gamble. <laughs> anyway, um, it did interesting things in the most boring way possible. That is how I feel about this episode. I, I, I can see that. I think that... I think uh, Vegeta got some interesting signs of where he's going, mm -hmm. and with what I know about the future, uh, Bulma warning Vegeta that he shouldn't hit on her or flirt with her because she doesn't like boys like that was good, but... Yeah, especially him just being like, what What are you talking about? How dare you? And just getting all flustered. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually have more questions, so I'd like to move on to that if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, what is the downside of being dead in Dragon Ball? You mm. can still train... You can still have your soul, like, you know, you can have your soul, it seems like in the same place because King, you can be on King Kai's planet alive or dead. Like, you can still communicate with the living. Well, I mean, only, <sighs> only people who can make it to King Kai's planet can communicate with the living. Yeah. Because you need, or, or one of, one of the Kais. Like, you need a Kai to communicate with the living. Yes. So most dead people don't get that. But... Everyone we're going to be dealing with this in, in this show is able to get to King Kai. Yes. And anyone in the universe can communicate with King Kai. It's just if King Kai decides you're worth his time. Yes. So. Yes. You cracked it. Okay. Death is meaningless now. Especially now that we know that the Namekian Dragon Balls can resurrect you as many times as you want. Now they went back with the Namekians to New Namek, but yeah. You can make a pit stop. Um... Why did they waste a... I mean, I guess it's not wasting a wish now that they can use them as many times as they want, but couldn't they have just built a new planet with caps a capsule where Namek was and then just not waste a wish? I mean, that would mean building an entire new planet. They can fit those things in a capsule. Isn't well, yeah, but you have works? to build an entire new planet. Pretty sure it's easier to use the Dragon Balls. It can be a big rock. 
Okay. Actually, I'll give you a smaller question first. Why does Bulma have a shirt with her name on it? She just has a shirt that says Bulma. If you were the richest person in the world, wouldn't you? No. <laughs> it's ugly. Why, when Goku was resurrected the first time, was he brought back on King Kai's planet? He just got, you know, his halo disappeared. Instead of being teleported to the place he died, that we're told is how it works. Is that a difference between Karunga and the other dragon? Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. Why doesn't Goku send some Kai mail? Like, is he just the worst? King Kai doesn't know where he is right now. Right. King Kai's under the impression Goku's dead. Right. And so if King Kai can't locate Goku, then there's no way for him to communicate with Goku. And so then how's King Kai get, or how's, you know, there, there needs to be a relay point there that King Kai can't establish. Okay. Um... Why isn't Tzu the first one they bring back with the Namekian Dragon Balls? Because they specifically say they don't bring him back because he and Tien want to be brought back together, but Tzu is the only one who has not been brought back twice. So they could just bring back everybody else with one wish with the Earth Dragon Balls and let the Namekians do their stuff earlier. Yeah, but the thing is, so the, the Earth Dragon Balls take one year, whereas the Namekian Dragon Balls only take about four months. Yeah. So the Namekian Dragon Balls will be ready enough to bring everybody back before the Earth Dragon Balls are ready once. Okay. Um, and then also, those people don't waste their Earth Dragon Ball resurrection when they might need that mm -hmm. at a later date. So it's better to use the Namekian Dragon Balls. Okay, so it's not just the first time, it is the first time with the Nem Earth Dragon Balls that matters. Maybe. as I, I gotta say, I don't think it ever comes up, but I would imagine. Okay, Um. this is my last question, and I don't expect an answer. Are Chiaotzu and Tien a couple? Because they seem very close and very disturbed by the idea of being apart for even a few months. And I understand that in our Western modern society, we have very strict ideas about what is and isn't sexualized, and other cultures are more loose with what's considered non-sexual, and men are more free to have close friendships. But it's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. Uh, I think that, you know, that's one That's one that we'll, we'll leave up to the fanficers to decide. Mm. Okay, that's all the questions I've got. I've got a question that you missed. Yeah. Uh, so we see Vegeta at the dragon summoning when they tried to bring back Goku. Yeah. His armor still had a big gaping hole in it. Why was he still wearing his damaged armor four months later? Oh, no, Pride. Sand pride. Sand pride. Like, <laughs> he's not going to wear your stupid earth shirts to say Bulma all over them. Like, <laughs> I shall remain stinky with my Saiyan pride. This doesn't mean he hasn't washed it. <laughs> he just washed his heart armor with a gaping hole in it. He can't get new Frieza armor. <laughs> and um, his Frieza armor with a hole in it is better than your stupid earth armor any day. Uh, although, actually, an important point about Vegeta that you did leave out is that halfway through the episode, he does decide if Goku's not coming back anytime soon, and he's going to go fuck off to space to train. Yeah. And he steals one of Bulma's ships and just fucks off to space. That he does. So that's where we're going to find Vegeta next time we run into him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. I have a couple questions about Gilmore Girls. Yeah, why is Suki now suddenly an insecure mess? Yeah, I don't know. They needed something to fill out five minutes. Yeah, apparently. With I got enough money to buy out half of Lane's Antiques. Why is Taylor Dosey in a wheelchair? Who knows? He hurt his foot sometime in the last six weeks. Like, what? why did they feel the need to... Did... Maybe the actor got hurt. That's a good point. Maybe the actor got hurt. That's probably it. And then instead of, like, 
trying to figure out a reason in plot, they just were able to just leave it in because it's been six weeks. And it's Dementia Town, so Dementia Town. we can do whatever we want. We had Dementia Town out in full force this this episode, although weirdly, kind of not. Like, it's like, oh, we're going to have a, a festival and it's going to be crazy. And then their crazy street festival was just like your average town fair. Yeah, well, I mean, that's Taylor's idea of crazy. Yeah, I know. So like in Dementia Town, the craziest thing is a totally normal fair. Yeah. Do you have anybody you want to swap this episode? I don't want to swap anyone, but I want to call out. I want, I want to ask your opinion on who is a worse communicator. Okay. Goku, who just like tucks off the space and doesn't call anybody or try to like let anyone know where he is, even though he has a wife and child and the child could be traumatized. He makes no efforts to communicate. And also when he's given the opportunity to come back home to his wife and his child and his friends, it's just like, nope. Or Jess, who makes out with a girl, like the girl he's been crushing on at a wedding and then because she has to go for six weeks, just like nopes out and starts making out with the next hottie he sees. I think the answer is always going to be Goku. Yeah. Um, Jess is a teenager. Yeah. And there's less stakes on, on Jess's actions. Um, you know, the implication we're supposed to pick up is the fact that wherever Goku is right now, he's needed. And... Right? Like, he can't just come back home right away see that might be true the implication i got was that he was off training somewhere because his entire life is comparing his you know non-specific and more accurate version of power levels to anyone else's his power level yesterday he's just like all in for being garbage with power levels i mean it can be both anyway so yeah, I have a, I, I have not necessarily a swap, but a port I want to make. Okay. I want to take Jess's girlfriend. Yep. And put her in the pond at Capsule Corp so that when they wish Yamcha back and then Bulma goes to try to figure out where Yamcha went, she immediately sees him making out with another girl. You know, just exact same scene, but just with Jess and Yamcha switched. Uh, so then, you know, Bulma's like, yay, my boyfriend's back. And then immediately sees him mac on another girl. I just think that would be hilarious. I, I think that also then you should swap uh, Bulma in with the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer just because Rory has like a stifled rage when she sees that, but Bulma would have no constraints and she would just start yelling at yelling at Jess at full force and then Dean would come up and she'd be like, oh, hey, Dean, and then keep yelling at Jess. And I want to <laughs> see that. Yeah, no, I just, I just really, I think, I think we were done a disservice when we did not get to see Bulma's rage when she first found out about Yamcha cheating. Yeah. That is a scene we never got and is unfortunate. And so I want that. And I think that's all we've got for this week. So thanks for listening, guys. We'd love to hear from you on Facebook or Twitter. And we're Gilmore Ball Z at both of those. Our email is GilmoreBallZ at gmail.com. Our WordPress is GilmoreBallZ.wordpress.com. Our subreddit is rgilmoreballz. Our Tumblr is gilmoreballz.tumblr.com. You can rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, anywhere else you get our podcasts. And as we said the last couple times, we are now on Spotify and Google Play. Yep. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. So, where has Goku gotten himself stuck now? Who is Jess's new macking partner? And how do we get that lazy, hazy, crazy Days of Summer song out of our heads? Find out next time on Gilmore Ball Z.